Now, with so much talk about lifting restrictions and people getting fed up with cocooning and not being able to travel further than two kilometres from their from their homes, I'm joined this morning by somebody who can tell us why it's so important to stay at home and do everything that we can to avoid getting the coronavirus. Corkman James Davis joins me to share his COVID-19 journey. Good morning to you, James. How are you keeping? I'm keeping very well. And I suppose, firstly, the most important question to you, how are you doing and are you now fully recovered? Mm, Technically, no. Um, Obviously, because of the virus, my immune system was kind of compromised from that. So, subsequently, I've kind of gotten a chest infection and throat infection uh, following on from the actual virus. So, not 100%, but... um, getting there. Better than what I want. Great. And we're talking about well over a month at this stage. You were actually diagnosed positive for COVID-19 on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. So take me back to the, I suppose, the week before that. What what were your early symptoms? Um, I kind of started on the 15th. uh, Sorry, not the 15th. About the 12th, I'd say. Um, It was basically I just woke up and it felt like a little tickly cough at the back of the throat and that's all it felt like. Um, it just felt annoying, coughing every couple of minutes, like, and that's what it was. It just started off that way. That was on Thursday, we'd say. Um, Friday, got a little bit worse of a cough, and my voice started going. I just thought it was laryngitis, just a bad cough. Um, and then Saturday was a little bit worse again, sore throat on top of that. So it was actually that day I started uh, self-isolating um, from everyone because I have two cocooning parents that are next door to me. Um, I have a 20-month-old uh, little girl and my partner as well in the house. So I kind of just isolated myself from everyone. Um, you started, started to think You started to think this could be COVID-19. Do you want know, It was just, you hear it. On the news, you heard about the cases everywhere in Italy and China and Korea and everywhere. I was like, don't know. It's the weekend. It's a long weekend. It's better to just start now and rather than take the risk. Okay. Um, so when did you make so, the decision to call a doctor? Sunday. Uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning, I started getting kind of quite cold, hot and cold flushes. Um kind of shivering. I was like, yeah, this is more than just a cough at this stage. So called to my partner. Um, she rang South Dock for me. Um, South Dock were going to get onto my GP to organise uh, for a test. So that was on Sunday. Come Monday, I heard nothing uh, from anyone. So uh, we rang my GP and they have actually gotten nothing passed on from South Dock at all, which was disappointing. Concerning. Yeah, yeah. Um, got onto my GP, who was absolutely fantastic. Um, he was. I took him over four hours to get through to someone to actually organise a test. Now, at this um, stage, you're feeling you're starting to feel unwell. Oh, I was already unwell. Yeah. I was, okay. I was still, I had the fever. Um, the cough. The, the cough, the 
throat. I had every symptom that they were talking about. Breathing was starting starting to get a little bit heavy um, at, at that day, but it wasn't anything that I was concerned about. Um, so he got the test. Um, I was brought by ambulance to the CUH because I'm diabetic, so they put me as a high-risk category. Um, what was the testing procedure like? It's the, if I'm being honest, yeah. I thought it could have just been done at home because basically all it was is that I could, I was feeling fine enough that I could have driven there myself, went in, got tested, drove, drove home. But the HSE's uh, chief doctor insisted that I go by ambulance. Um, so went in, sat down in an empty room, person came in. Um, gave me a swab through the nose um, and says, right, you can go home. And I was like, how how am I to get home? And they're like, you have to organise that yourself. And I was like, <laughs> so I, have to, I had to call my brother because I couldn't call my parents. And, um, and, now, I and now suddenly you have to sit in a car with your brother who, you, who, who, you're, who you're now in danger of passing it on to. <clears throat> yep. Okay. So I put him in. So he had to then, when I got confirmed as having it, he had to then go into isolation for two weeks because he had been in close contact with me. And did he get uh, it? He he didn't no. pick it up. He didn't think not. Okay. Okay. So you um you how quickly did you get a phone call with the result? I got a phone call from my actual own doctor the following morning. Well, that was quick. Okay. Okay, yeah. now remember, we're uh, talking about this is a month ago. This is around yeah. St. Patrick's Day. So, because I know it's, the procedure system have changed since. Yeah, I, was, I think as far as I'm aware, is within the first 70 in the country. Oh, oh, oh goodness me. Okay. All right, so you, so you get the news that you tested positive, which obviously doesn't come as any surprise to you because you've got all the symptoms and you're feeling unwell. Yeah. But you're not sick enough to go to hospital. So you're at home no. self-isolating. What, what was that like? Uh... I, I, I think the toughest part for me is because, one, I have a young child, so she was kind of wondering where I was, wanting to come into the room, uh, calling out, yes. and obviously I wanted to hold her and couldn't do any of that. Um, then my partner, obviously she was trying to look after me and look after my daughter, and she was kind of starting to feel unwell. Um, she was kind of getting a cough and feeling just very run down. Um, both of us thinking that, oh, that's because she's trying to look after both of us. She's worried about me, worried about my daughter. Um, subsequently turned out that she had the virus at the exact same time. Um, so, yeah. So, so, now, so now you've got the two of you in the, in the house with the baby. Yeah. Both of us with the virus. Um, also, turns out my father, who's cocooning, had the virus as well. Um, two of those were asymptomatic. Didn't get. They got a, a cough, and that was pretty much it. Whereas I got it a lot worse with my breathing. Did your partner get it as bad as you? No, 
No, okay. No. So you then, you talk to me about the breathing, James, because when you hear of anybody getting COVID-19 bad, they talk about how scary this yes. this ability to not breathe, to be able to breathe. The way I experience people that have asked me is it feels like having a very bad chest infection while being at altitude. If you could imagine that kind of... My God. You hear of, like, runners go to altitudes to increase their lung capacity. Yeah. Because, obviously, it's been... It, it, at one point, literally walking from the bed to the toilet, which would say is six foot, felt like walking two, three miles. It, it, you're just literally out of breath instantly. Now, I'm assuming you were told if your symptoms get worse, you call an ambulance um, and yeah. you go into hospital. Did you at any stage contemplate picking up the phone and calling for an ambulance? Um, one, yeah. Uh, about night seven, night eight, I woke up at, I think it was about 4 a.m. and it literally felt like someone had put a lead plate on my chest and I was only getting about an eighth of my lung capacity of a breath. Um, and at that point, I kind of worried. Um, but then I kind of just realized panicking wasn't going to help the breathing either. So once I kind of calmed down, um, it was a little bit better, but it was still scary, I, I would say. Um so I was contemplating at that point and I was like, if it stays this way for another 12, 24 hours, I was, I was going to call an ambulance. But thankfully, it got, it eased a little bit the following, following evening. So that was the, almost the peak of it for you and then you, it, yeah. it eased off. And you, particularly James, didn't want to go to hospital. Oh God, no. Explain why. Um, the thing, problem I had is that I couldn't sleep because you're in bed for nearly two weeks, so your your body actually gets quite sore just lying in bed. So I wasn't able to sleep quite well or at points at all. So the only thing you can do is either read a book, read a magazine, but at four o'clock in the morning, you're just going to go on your phone. So unfortunately through social media, you're just looking at article upon article. And I just came across one where it was it was just them telling people to actually stay inside and they explained why and it kind of scared me. It was like when you're in isolation, you're on your own. If you have to go to hospital, you're in an ambulance strangers, uh, the paramedics that you don't know, so you're on your own. If you're in isolation in the hospital, you're on your own. If your illness gets worse, you're on your own. And then, because scary parents, like, unfortunately for the people that have passed away, they're on their own, and I didn't want that to happen. So that kind of scares myself, and then obviously when I told my parent about it, scared her because no one wants that for anyone. Yeah, it's the reason that we 
on Monday had the Irish Hospice Foundation on. I mean, it's the one thing they're calling on the HSE to change the rules and regulations to make sure that when somebody's at end of life, that at least one member yeah. of the family, it's, it's, it's just, it's dreadful for the person that passes away and for yeah. the family. It's just, yeah, that I, I absolutely can understand why you, you literally wanted to be, you were, you would have been on your knees before you would have picked up that phone to say, take me to oh, hospital. Yeah. yeah. I, if I was being honest, I probably should have rang an ambulance when my breathing was as bad as it was. But, it was just out of that fear. I was like, no, I'm going to be stubborn about this and see if it gets worse. And if it gets worse, then I'll obviously have to bite the bullet and do that. But at all costs, I didn't want to win. Okay, well, that stubbornness, James, is after getting you through it. And you're yeah. and a month on, as you say, you're you're well on the road to recovery. But are you are you still isolating? Are you still indoors? Are you able to get out at all? Um, the sad part is there's no real information about it. All okay. I was told was um, uh, when I first got the call from the HSE, they were like, okay, all you need to do now is isolate yourself for 14 days. That's all you're told. That is literally all you're told is isolate yourself for 14 days. If you get worse, Ring for an ambulance. Yeah. And Have you been back onto your GP? Um, he did ring me. He mm. actually rang me towards the end to see how I was. Um, uh, so I just gave him an update, and he was like, "If you have any issues, here's my number. Give me a ring directly, um, or if you have to ring the ambulance." Okay, but you, but so you've you've you're opting to stay indoors because you're still not feeling fully right. Um. I have gone to just go to like the supermarket because um, my partner was my partner and daughter were in isolation while waiting for testing, and my parents were both in isolation while waiting for testing, um, and I was out of the isolation period at that stage. So I have gone to the supermarket, um, but it was at least three weeks after I was feeling unwell. I actually left the house. So you've never in all of your life experienced an illness like this? Um, closely once. It was about 15, 16 years ago when I got the flu and it was a bad case of the flu. Um, but breathing-wise, never, ever felt anything like that with the breathing. It's breathing a... It's actually the scariest part of it. Yeah, it sounds uh, like you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy, James. Oh, God, no. Never. You wouldn't wish it on anyone. Um, like the flu symptoms, you get over because everyone goes through it in their life. You almost get used to knowing what that feeling is. Um, but the breathing, no. I, it's almost impossible to describe unless you've actually gone through it. Okay, question in. Could you ask James, please, um, some Nora in Skibbereen, what medication were you put on once you were confirmed positive for COVID-19? Probably would laugh at it, but paracetamol. Yeah, there, there's, there's no, there isn't um, any medication. There is nothing. No, no there's absolutely nothing. Um, paracetamol was basically for my temperature because it was, 
spike over 38. So you'd have to take paracetamol every four hours. Um, and that would actually just bring it down to a, no- a normal temperature. Um, other than that, I I was taking, myself personally, I was just taking Exutex because I didn't want to get phlegm into my lungs. Yeah. Um, so that kind of broke that up. Um but other than that, there's absolutely nothing. There's nothing. nothing. There, there is, there, that's why that's the dilemma we face with COVID nineteen. There isn't. There yeah. isn't. Uh, there isn't a cure. And an obvious question I should have asked you: Your little girl, your twenty month old little girl, did she get it? Nope. Wow. <laughs> Which is wow. fine because obviously with myself being isolated in uh, our bedroom, my partner was actually sleeping in the bed with my daughter. So they were in very close contact for the... And she didn't pull. pick it up. Isn't that interesting? Uh, that, that, that is interesting. Um, yeah. would you, So you, you, your message, I take it, James, is stay at home. You know, almost respect yeah. respect this. Like if you have any symptoms, even if it's a tickle in the back of your throat, it's not worth the risk putting anyone anyone's life in danger. It, it really isn't. It's, like, there's nothing going on. There's no restaurants open. There's no take. Well, there are takeaways open. There's no cinemas. There's no pubs. There's no concerts going on. What's hurting you by staying at home, relaxing, watching TV? It, it's not difficult. Yeah. It's, uh, like I put it for example, Pierce Morgan, who I know a lot of people hate and despise. Yeah, he's a bit like Marmite. You either love him or you hate yes. him. Yeah. But he had a very brilliant comment about the isolating. He was like, people talk about old people and that, oh, that's not my problem. I have to worry about them. But like, they went through the war for years and and had to go rationing and go into, be sent out to the countryside. Children had to, and they had to go into bomb shelters. Where all we're being asked to do is sit at home, watch TV, eat food and be happy yeah. and be safe. Yeah, that's all. Put on What's the, so difficult about that? Yeah, put on the Corona stone as a lot of people are, are talking about. Yeah. And finally, a couple of people are asking, has James any idea where he picked up COVID-19 from? Had you been in contact with somebody who tested positive? Nope. No, no. It could have been anywhere. Um, like, I went shopping twice that week because I uh, well, before I even felt unwell. So I went shopping for my parents and I went shopping for ourselves. Then I was in college myself on the Wednesday and I was at work on the Thursday and it was the Thursday I started feeling unwell. So for the college, uh, I know there was one case before me in UCC, so which is unlikely that I got it from there. Um, could have been the supermarket. Could have been at work. Could have been me walking into a shop randomly in, in town. You just don't know. You just don't know. And it can be what seven to eleven days, you from yeah. when you met the person to to when you start showing symptoms. Listen, thank you for sharing your story with no us. Stay well and stay healthy. And uh, thanks for joining us. Bye bye. Bye bye. That bye is uh, James Davis on his COVID nineteen journey. And actually.